For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Welcome on in to Sports Talk with Josh Marion and friends. I believe it's episode 68. Uh, we made it this far. Um, and my man, Dan Lifshatz, is alongside today. How you doing tonight, Dan? I'm good, Josh. Thanks for having me on, man. It's been, uh, it's been a minute since we got to talk. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while, uh, but there's tons to talk about. Uh, obviously, we're going to break down some Patriots and NFL topics, and then... Um, we're going to get into the three other major sports, too. Just just a few questions about those. More NFL, but um, let me just start off by asking you, um, did you find yourself rooting for the Steelers against the Ravens this past weekend? Were you one of those fans? Uh, I mean, I, I definitely I mean, I mean, definitely wanted the Steelers to win. Look, anytime you can get the number one seed and have a bye, like, I think you got to do it. And that's definitely a, a fan first. Um, yeah, I also didn't happen to have any sort of action on that uh, that Ravens Steelers game, so it made it a little bit easier for me. But yeah, I think I think <laughs> as a fan, you have I think you have to be rooting for the teams ahead of you to lose, like and especially Baltimore. Like the thing with Baltimore is he's been there forever, you know, with the Pats, and so like that's not a, you know as much as I do like Lamar Jackson, I just kind of dislike that team, so I'm always kind of rooting for them to lose. Okay, okay, I wasn't expecting that. See, I was more on the side of. Um... You know, control your own destiny. You know, I, I, I only, I rarely find myself rooting for the Steelers, but um, I guess, I guess we kind of sort of had to in that game. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I never write, like rooting for Big Ben. Um, what about, what about the game in Buffalo? Were you happy just to get out of there with a victory, even though they only threw three passes? Or what, what say you? So, I mean, listen, I, I was concerned the whole game that they weren't throwing, and I was super concerned about the fact that, you know, it just seemed like they just were, were refusing to do it. And I, I really thought that Buffalo would make an adjustment. I mean, they, they were playing single high safety, like, the entire first half for whatever reason. And then, you know, I really thought they would make the adjustment. There was still some single high safety in the third quarter. They just they didn't make – the adjustments necessary. So I was concerned that the Patriots were going to keep running and keep running and keep running and eventually it was going to stop. And, you know, it, it, they did get some stops later on, but the fact was that I was wrong. I mean, the, the, the Patriots were effective running the football and I was just happy. I mean, yeah, dude, you, anytime you go in the Buffalo and you get a win, I mean, look, the Bills are, the Bills are not the 2000s Bills. They're, they're better than that. I mean, regardless of what, you know, what we think, you know, they're still the Bills, but, you know, they're a better version of that team. And so, yeah, it was, I was happy as hell to go into Buffalo and uh, and get that W. Like I don't think you can. I don't think you can get upset about going into Buffalo and getting a W ever. You know, I, you know, with the exception of maybe a loss of like a major player or two. But yeah, dude. Like I, of course, I was I was happy as hell that they went in there and and they beat that team. So yeah, I I, I have no complaints. I'm I'm extremely pleased with what they did. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't going in there looking for like a certain score or or anything like that. I was just hoping to get out of there. Um, you know, virtually unscathed, and um seems like they did so. So um are you and have you been worried about Mac Jones' arm strength or, or play during the inclement weather? No, I have, like, I have absolutely no concern over that. And I don't think that 
that was the reason that Belichick did what he did. I don't think it had anything to do with arm strength. I know that some people at my station disagree, and, and you know, that's the right, and some big ESPN people disagree, and, and that's their right, too. But the fact was that there was no reason to throw the ball and stop the clock. They were, they were dominating the game. They were controlling possession. They were running the football. Buffalo couldn't stop them. And as much as idiots like me who, you know, really, were really like, hey, throw the ball, throw the ball, you know, just, there was no reason to. Would I have liked them to take a play-action shot here or there? Yes, yeah. especially early on. You maybe, maybe in the, uh, you know, with the final two minutes of the half, I would have liked them to do something like that, or you know, coming out of the third quarter. But really, I mean, they they were they were controlling the game. So I'm, you know, I I I can't really blame them. But no, I've no I've no issues with Mac going to football. I think that you know he hasn't been as good the past, you know, two or three weeks as you've been prior early in the season. But, you know, guys go up and down and as more tape, you know, as, as teams get more tape on these guys, they're going to have to make it more difficult for O's. And, you know, they're going to put, you know, specific coverages for specific plays and formations. And, yeah, I think that Mac is just going through a learning period, kind of like Herbert had a, a little bit of a midseason dip last year. And I have no concerns mm-hmm. with Mac Jones. I think he's a very good NFL quarterback. Now you have you have you felt that um, Belichick and McDaniel's have been like holding him back in any way, or or do you think um, it's all like kind of game plan? They're scheming it up, sort of stuff like that. I mean, I think early on there's no doubt about the fact that they were they were holding back, especially in the end zone. You know, in the red zone, excuse me, uh, they were they were absolutely holding back. And he didn't throw a pass in the red zone or the, into the end zone for like four or five weeks there, whatever it was. It was ridiculous. So, I mean, yeah, they were absolutely holding him back, and I still think there are times where. They hold him back, especially at the end of the first half, has been a uh, kind of a consistent theme throughout the season. So, look, they're being a little conservative with the kid. I understand that they his his confidence is high, and I think they want to keep it at that level. So, yeah, I mean, you know, would, would, is it the game plan that I would use? The game plan I would attack? No, but the fact is that that's why those guys are where they are, and that's where I am where I am. So, I think they, you know, the, I'm, I'm going to trust them and trust their institutional knowledge and the way that they've led this team. And, yeah, if they want to be a little bit conservative because of how good the defense is right now, I'm going to I'm gonna go out there and on a limb and, and say I trust them, even though it's not something that maybe I would do personally. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, speaking of guys at your station, one Tony Maz keeps going on and off the rails about is he, are the Patriots in the top tier of the NFL? What say you? Do you think they're in the top tier of the NFL? Yes. I think they are the I think they are the last team in the top tier. And the way I, I do my tiers is teams you seriously think as of right now can make the Super Bowl and teams that, you know, are gonna be playoff contenders. And I have them in if you are making tiers tier one, tier two, I would have them in tier one. I gotta be honest with you, I'm Absolutely. not super high on Tampa. Yeah, I'm not I'm not super high on Tampa. Like I know everyone loves that team, so you know I still put I still put them behind Tampa, but like I think they're pretty spot on. And even with Tampa, I think if they played Tampa right now, that'd be a very different ball game. But yeah, I have you know the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Bucks, and the Packers. That's my and that's my tier one. And I and I sorry and the Cardinals. Excuse me, I apologize. And and that's my tier one. I you know after that, I think that you can start to take a look at Buffalo, Baltimore. Dallas. You know I you know I think that Dallas is kind of shorthanded and and, and the, the Rams. A tier one, tier two. Yeah, I think, you know, and again, it's nothing crazy. No, no, no hot takes or anything like that. But, yeah, I think that, you know, the Patriots, they win the way that they're winning. 
they're adjusting and they're winning in all sorts of different ways. Credit to the coaching staff. And I don't think a lot of other teams can do that. So yeah, absolutely. Tier one because of, you know, their ability to adapt their coaching staff, the quarterback, the, you know, just the depth, the defense, the travels, like, yeah, I'm they're, they're a tier one team to me. And I know that Maz also. Suddenly we have the best kicker in the league. But yep, the, yeah, the, the the special teams are elite. I mean, don't forget the punter. Bailey hasn't had the year he's usually had, but he's been great still. And yeah, look, I, they're they're a tier one team, and I do. And I, as I was saying, I think Matt has upgraded them to a tier one too. So listen, I I agree with them. I think they are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Which, if you asked me four or five weeks ago before the season, I would have said no team wins with rookie quarterbacks. So that would have been my answer. Yeah, they've come they've they've come a long way, and um, I think you know with the emergence of like Hunter Henry and even a little bit of John U. Smith. I think that's definitely helped. And um, now I want to talk a little bit about the defense. Um, has it surprised you at all this season or is, or is it kind of like what you expected? Cause I came in this season um, way back before it even started and said it was going to be a top five defense. So it's kind of what, what I'm expecting, but uh, what say you? I think it's slightly above what I expected. I thought they would be a top seven-ish defense to what I was projecting, but I really didn't think the offense would be nearly as effective as it has been. So, yeah, I think Mm -hmm. it's pretty similar. I didn't expect Judon to be anywhere near kind of where he is right now. Judon has been, I mean, sensational, elite, elite, all pro, whatever class you want to put him in. And I think you have to take a look at a guy, you know, a guy like Lawrence Guy has had a major bounce back season. He's been a guy no one's really talking about, but has been fantastic on that, you know, defensive line. And obviously J.C. Jackson's play has continued to get better. I think the the most concerning for a lot of fans was the secondary, especially with the Gil Gilmore thing going on. And, you know, they figured out a way to do it between Miles Bryant and, you know, Joe Juwan and, and, you know, Mills and whoever they, you know, use early in the season, Jonathan Jones, like they figured it out. So, yeah, Listen, I'm impressed. I think that they could, you know, they continue to find corners like Miles Bryant. These guys, they can, you know, kind of plug in, and I think they're going to continue to get better. I don't think this defense is going to take a significant hit unless they lose like a major piece of that defense. I, I am a little concerned with Dante Hightower. I think he's a little banged up. I wouldn't totally disagree with you know him getting a week or two off, you know, and maybe it's not mm-hmm. not so important games, but just in general, I uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm impressed with the defense. They're above where I thought they would be. Now, did you buy into all that hype about how Judon was able to, you know, when he before he came in, they said, oh, you know, he was able to freelance way too much in Baltimore. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that in New England. And then now he's it's, it's just like, he can you can scheme it up for him. He's probably freelancing too out there. You know, he's tearing it up. I mean, um, did you buy into all that before he came in or? No, honestly, I was never really concerned about that because I trust Belichick and those guys to get the true scouting reports from their people. And, you know, the fact that Belichick has been more willing and more open to kind of hearing what, you know, his scouts and people say around him, you know, the reports have been kind of, you know, out for a while now. I think that that is important because I do think sometimes just you can't do it all yourself. And, uh, no, I, I honestly love the Judon signing. I thought it was a little bit pricey. But clearly, you know, it was uh, it was a good signing, and I was wrong. I mean, I know a lot of people talked about, you know, comparing it to, you know, some bust signings in the past, but I was never concerned it was going to be a bust. I was just a little concerned about the price tag. But, again, you know, I, a lot of people a lot of people look at, you know, what they did this offseason and, and really rip them for it. And I understand that because, you know, it's what Patriots fans have done to all these teams. But 
there's a difference when a guy like Bill targets free agents and a difference when a guy, you know, in a different organization who doesn't matter, you know, tar- targets, you know, free agents. So I do think there is a major difference, um, you know, uh, for, you know, for these teams that, you know, kind of target players compared to what the Patriots do. And again, it's not because Bill is the greatest GM in the world or anything, but, you know, if you're asking me who I'd rather have, Bill or Chris Ballard, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking Bill. Like, it's just, it's just different. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the reason I wasn't really never truly concerned with the Judon signing. Now, here's my last uh, Patriots-related question. Then we'll move on to the NFL-type questions. Um, here's a question about price tags, actually. Um, should the Patriots pay J.C. Jackson ASAP, or should they wait on that? Uh, so, I think if you wait, look, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of money out there next year. I think that what you, what you need to do is really – at least open negotiations and kind of see what the what he's looking for. I think at minimum there needs to be at least a conversation, a negotiation that's kind of going on there. If there isn't, um, I'm a little worried that you know that the price tag might get out of their you know kind of out of their hands, and uh, you know they'll start being able to shop it around the NFL as all these guys do, and maybe some you know JC gets a ridiculous offer from someone. I'm hopeful. Yeah, I yeah. Still believe it. I still believe at the end of the day they'll franchise them if they need to, and you know that will give them a little bit of uh, you know extra time to bargain. But I, I I think that you know again I was a big re-sign Darrell guy, and clearly I was incorrect about that. But I would very much like them to, to re-sign Jackson. I don't think that he is kind of in the same situation as Revis was, and you know he's uh, he's a little bit younger. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, I was just about to look that up. Yeah. Um, J.C. Jackson's age. Yeah, he's way younger than Revis was at that time where they where he could have re- re-signed him. And, you know, I was a huge friggin' Revis fan, too, obviously. You know, just it's one of those things like having him in a Patriots jersey was kind of surreal in itself. Yeah, he's 26. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think um, – you know, I, I'm 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 kind of on the side that they should get out in front of it. I don't know how uh, all that works. Like, if they can sign them right now in season or whatever, but um, I would get out right in front of it because I think that number is going to go sky high. And I'm not sure how his uh, personality is or anything. Or if you know, some players are really unwilling to take the franchise tag. So we'll see how that all works out. But um, yeah, yeah, he's definitely a player worth keeping. Um, all righty. So now we'll move on to uh, my NFL questions. Um, what do you make of the whole Aaron Rodgers situation slash debacle this year? All right, well, this, this is a tough one, man. I mean, look, I I'm pretty down the middle on stuff. I I truly believe that if you want to get vaccinated, then you should get vaccinated, and you know people probably shouldn't give you a hard time for it. And if you don't want to get vaccinated, you shouldn't get vaccinated, and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like a. Yeah, go ahead. It is, I think what Rogers did is kind of scummy. Like, I do think that, you know, you probably about the way you word things. And he clearly worded it for a specific reason in the way he said it, of course. But, yeah, you know, I, look, I just, just be honest. Own it. If you don't want to get vaccinated, just, just own it. Just say, look, I don't, I don't want to get it. I'm not going to get it and, and whatever. And I understand he tried to do his own thing and, you know, it, it didn't work. I... I'm, I'm going to kind of straddle the fence here and say, you know, I think what he did was, was kind of scummy. At the same time, I also understand why he did it. 
I don't think he's the worst human in the world for not wanting to do it at the same time. Like just, if you're not going to do it, just own it. So, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not calling for him to get arrested or thrown in jail or anything like that. But I just think that like, if you're not going to do it, just own it, dude. It's like, you know, in my opinion, it's not that big of a deal. I understand that there's a lot of people who think it is and uh, you know, people have to make their own choices and, and whatever. So yeah, I, I, I understand why he didn't do it, but I also, my, my frustration more with him is just, hey, dude, just, just own it. Like, if you don't want to do it, that's fine, but just own it. So that, the, I guess that's kind of where my second guess has been comes in. See, my frustration with the whole thing is how, how I think it's impacted the team and how, how he's given his all to the team. I think, I think a lot of that's been a distraction for them. And, um, you know, looking at him on paper, you know, the Packers could have some real potential there. And, you know, they could have, you know, I don't know, I don't really see them as a viable contender this year, but because um, of this, because of this whole distraction, I think it's definitely, it's definitely hindered their progress. So, um, especially you know, more on the field stuff with with that, that's uh, really bothered me. You know, I'm but I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, as far as the vaccines go, you know, like either do it or don't. And you know, um, a lot of people are passionate one side or the other, but um, I think everyone has their right to make their own decision with their body. And um, you know, we'll leave it at that for now, but. Um, uh, my next question for you was, uh, you know, kind of going back to the, the NFC contenders and how you were talking about the Buccaneers, uh, do you see the Rams as, uh, viable contenders or, or, uh, do you think Stafford's going to crap his pants like usual? Yeah, I, I think that, I think we need to see the Rams get healthy. I think they've just been struggling, you know, between Daryl Henderson just kind of being out of the lineup. They've had a whole slew of injuries defensively. I still think that that team is, in my opinion, elite. You know, they, they, I think they started off incredibly hot. They beat Tampa in that head-to-head matchup already. So, you know, when you, if you're asking where do I feel, I, I feel like they could beat Tampa again. I didn't feel like that match, that scoreline was as particularly close as the uh, the score reflected. The game, I mean, I thought they, they probably would have beat that team going away four or five touchdowns had they, uh, had they actually continued to, you know, not run the ball and maybe not get so conservative. I think LA is still really good. I think they're going to struggle against certain teams, uh, you know, in the NFC. I do think they're going to struggle against a team like Arizona. I, again, that's that's a team that owns that knows that team inside and out, knows them so well. You know, the 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 Kyler factor, just being able to move around the pocket. I think they're going to struggle with teams like that who are explosive and who are able to kind of stay with them, you know, play for play. I, I do think that that's kind of where they they struggle a little bit. Um, you know, and, and so I, you know, it is a little concerning with me against a team like Arizona, but if you're asking me who am I taking with the Rams or against the Packers or Tampa, yeah, they lost to the Packers, but on a neutral site, I, or even in Green Bay in a rematch, I feel pretty good about the Rams again, especially at full strength. I, I think I would, you know, I think I'd probably take LA over both Tampa and Green Bay, and I know they're not in my tier one team, you know, whatever, but I still think that they're an incredibly good team, and probably a little bit undervalued in the betting market right now compared to where they should be. Yeah, there's still so much there's still so much NFL season left anyway. You got like a friggin' four weeks or so left, four or five weeks, so that's like a whole quarter, you know, there's so much that's a lot of time to tell. But yeah, I'd say on paper right now, especially like you were saying, at full strength, um they look pretty beast mode and uh, I wouldn't want to play them, especially, uh, especially, you know, like you, uh, like you said, they, they came off that victory already against the Buccaneers. They know how to beat them. They know the game plan for that. Um, yeah. 
yeah, I think uh, I think they're going to go pretty far. So, and I'm and I'm looking forward to it too. I kind of like that team. But uh, any big injury or suspension that has you bummed this season, like for me, it's Derrick Henry. Oh, uh, okay. I'll give you one that maybe is a little bit outside the box. J.K. Dobbins is the big one to me. Okay, okay. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, listen, I'm not, as I said earlier, I'm not a Baltimore fan, but I think Dobbins is going to be a monster um, in the NFL. I think he's going to be, you know, Jonathan Taylor, as you know, as good as Jonathan Taylor is this season. I think he's going to be an elite running back in the league. Um, And then, obviously, Cam Akers is another one. Again, I know two running backs, but uh, Akers to me is going to be is super special. And if he can recover from this Achilles injury, I think he's going to be another guy who's going to be in that tier one group for running backs. And I think he's going to be something really special too. So, yeah, you know, th- those are probably the two guys I'm most bummed about. Um, I just think both both those guys are probably huge impacts on their team if they're healthy right now, and maybe, you know, we're talking about the Rams, you know, being a, a game better than their 8-4 record or whatever, you know, right now. So I I do think those are two guys, and, you know, and, and Dobbins for Baltimore would just be massive considering who they've run out there, losing Gus Edwards. I mean, they, they had such bad luck early in the season with running back injuries. I think it would oh, be yeah. massive for, uh, for both those teams to have uh, those guys back. So, yeah, I, I, you know, those are probably the two biggest ones, and, you know, everyone has their everyone has their injuries that they you know that they like and are you know they're frustrated with whatever. But yeah, to me it's to me it's Dobbins and to me it's uh, you know Acres and I know there's a lot of people who will say you know some other names or whatever. I know Sean Watson's been talked about a lot and everything, but I think that I just kind of want to stay away from that situation to be honest with you. So yeah, those those would be my two my two guys for me. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cam Akers for the Seahawks, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And that's the next team we're going to talk oh, about there. I, I love, I love asking Adam football fans about this. Go ahead. Yeah. Cam Akers on the Rams. Excuse me. Sorry. Oh, the Rams. I'm sorry. No, I got that confused. That was my fault. But um, yeah, yeah. Under the Seahawks. Um, I love asking Adam football fans about them, but they are surprisingly four and eight right now. Uh, last in the NFC West. Um, are they constant underachievers? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Given like, Russell they, Wilson's they talent. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they won. Um, I think they're just kind of that team that just, like, never gets there. They almost kind of feel like the uh, the Peyton Manning Colts. Like, you know what I mean? They And, again, I, I okay. don't think Wilson's quite as good as Manning, but they're that team that's really good. They're always in the discussion. They, you know, they're always, you know, they're, they're always a, a very good team, and they just kind of always fall short in the playoffs. And you know, they always have a elite-ish level quarterback. And you know, I'm not sure what you want to compare Wilson and to Manning. I, I think you know, I think Manning's better. I, I don't think that's, you know, that's crazy to say. But you know, the fact is that you know, Seattle when they won that Super Bowl, let's not forget, like their defense won that Super Bowl. They absolutely dominated the Broncos. That game was not remotely close. Since then, since they had to break up that defense a little bit, they just haven't been the same. And, you know, they've been more of an offensive team than a defensive team. And I do kind of relate them back to that, to the uh, to the, the indie teams of the mid-2000s and, and whatever. So, yeah, I, it, it, it is frustrating to watch. I mean, if you're a Seahawks fan, I can't even imagine how frustrating it is to watch, you know, 
just John's trying to rebuilding that team over and over and over again and just not getting the right fixes. And I feel like sometimes even the fans have a, have a better perspective than, uh, than maybe, maybe the people in the organization, which is funny. But, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very surprised that Seattle just has, just has completely – sorry, I should say I'm not surprised that Seattle has completely fallen apart because, you know, I just think that this is a team that, you know, they, they, they need to do a, full, a full-scale rebuild. And, you know, I know they have some great, great wide receivers, but the running back room is a mess outside of Carson. The offensive line is putrid. The defensive line is putrid. The secondary – I mean, just, just go down the line. They just – they need help at every position, pretty much outside of quarterback and and wide receiver. And you're just not going to win with you know win like that in the league these days. And look, they just need to blow it up. And unfortunately, trading Russell Wilson is probably the answer there. You just got to get as much draft capital as you can. He probably doesn't want to be there anyway. It look like a team, maybe the like you know like the Giants or something like that. Get as much draft capital as you can and just kind of cash in because I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. No matter what Wilson looks like, I know the hand injury kind of hurt him, but really hasn't mattered. Ooh, Russell Wilson of the Giants. I'd like that one. That'd be that'd be entertaining, man. Right there. Um, I like that. That's that, that's some good takes right there. Uh, alrighty. Here's one that's been bantied about on your station, nine eighty five the sports up, just read some things or with Dan Lifshetz, as you should know by now. But um would you bet on Josh Allen winning a Super Bowl before he retires as a starter? Josh Allen Ooh. Tough call right now, right? Um, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna go on. I'm just gonna say that the Bills are the Bills, and I think they're gonna continue to be the Bills. And I think that Sean McDermott kind of proved that the other day. I I never really respected Sean McDermott as a coach. He kind of shoved it down my you know down my throat last year when uh, I kind of ran about how much I don't like McDermott, don't like the Bills and. You know they kind of they kind of showed me up last year and made it far, but look, I, I like Josh Allen as a player, but I don't. I still think he makes some horrendous decisions, and that team just is mentally soft. I, I think you saw, you know, more than anything. I think your take from Monday's night Monday night's game is that that team is soft, and I don't. I mean, I think starts from the head, right? The coach, I think that's reflective of the coach, the quarterback, the GM, whatever you want to call it, like. I think it's a soft organization, and yeah, I uh, I don't think I don't think that they are going to do very well. Alrighty, alrighty. So I, I, see, I see him. See, I see him getting traded before his career ends. So that's why, if I was a betting man, um, I would bet on him winning Super Bowl before he retires. I think uh, I think he can settle it out with another team. Um, you know, but if he stays with the Bills, like you've been saying, um, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I think. Uh, you know, there's just so much talent in the AFC, and you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes locked up that long deal with the Chiefs, so they're 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 obviously sitting at the top for quite a while. Um, so we'll see how that all shakes out. But uh, here's a question from my mom here uh, about the NFL: uh, What's wrong with your boy Lamar Jackson this season? What's his problem? Yeah, I just think, unfortunately, Jackson just doesn't have a whole hell of a lot around him right now. Like, I think the wide, you know, the, the wide receiver options right now are, you know, slim and limited. Uh, Marquise Brown is your number one guy and really your main go-to guy out of the wide receiver corps. That's a problem. And Mark Andrews is, you know, a, you know at least a, a legitimate target. But you pretty much, in my opinion, have two legitimate targets on that team. I mean, you're using the, the corpse of Sammy Watkins. Rashad Bateman just has been yeah. a massive disappointment. 
it feels like a it feels like a lost year for a guy like Bateman. So yeah, you know, it, I think that it's more online to the fact that you know the the O line injuries, the running back injuries, the you know the lack of depth at the wide receiver position. I think he just tries to do too much sometimes, and you know, I, look, he, he's he's far from perfect. He he has had some bad plays, not converting that two point conversion on Sunday. I mean, that that's a play you got to make, Lamar. Like, you want to be an MVP, you want to be elite, you got to be able to make that some, you know, that easy stuff. So, yeah, you know, For real. I, I I'm still gonna I'm still gonna attribute to injuries, but I do think that you know I'm starting to be a little bit further down on Lamar than where I was a couple of weeks ago or a couple excuse me a couple yeah a couple of weeks ago to say it's fair I just say uh, yeah it's a, it's a little frustrating to watch him right now he needs to uh he needs to be better he does yeah yeah it's 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 uh definitely frustrating as you know we're my mom and I are obviously fellow fans of Lamar as well but even though we shouldn't be um you know considering he's a raven but um you know yeah it's, it's just frustrating how how he, he's got so much talent and he just can't, I don't know if it's wrong upstairs or if it's mechanic or something. I don't really think it's even so much mechanic, but um, yeah, yeah. I hope he figures it out. Obviously not against the Patriots, but um, we'll, we'll kick to the, the NFL to the side there now. Um, that was some great uh, talk there. And we're going to move on to uh, Celtics and NBA questions. Just three of those for you. Um, will, will this group for the Celtics win a title as currently compiled? Now let me ask you: When you say this group, does that include a guy like Marcus Smart or a, yes, who yes, that includes that includes Smart? Because I got a follow-up question. No, then the answer is no. Um, there's too many personalities and there's too many people in that room. I am very much of the belief that most NBA players who are superstars, I know there are very few exceptions of the rule, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, but most NBA stars don't win their first titles until they're 26, 27, 28. That's really the time where you take a look at these guys and say, okay, it's time to become a star player, take it up to the next level, entering your prime. Like now, now, you, now you need to start winning titles. So Jalen Brown's not at that age yet. Jason Tatum's not at that age yet. And I think it's unfair to have any sort of expectations for those guys until they are at that age. Now in today's current NBA climate, because those guys might leave, earlier than maybe they have in the past. Yeah, it's 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 frustrating for fans and it's you know, I, I understand their trepidation and their frustrations, you know, with those guys potentially leaving, but the fact is you can't expect those guys to win until that age. And I think that that's been the case for, you know, twenty, thirty years now. That's really the age where guys, you know, really come into the prime. So yeah, yeah, I think we need to be patient, but there's too many personalities in the room. I I don't think Marcus Smart fits with the group. And I know that there's a lot of, you know, a lot of these guys talk about it from the outside, and I don't think that they hate smart. I don't think there's a, uh, you know, a hatred there. But I think there's a, a lack of knowledge uh, in the role of smart. I think there's a lot of, you know, Celtics media and Celtics fans who really don't want to acknowledge the fact that Marcus Smart doesn't understand and conceptually, you know, recognize his role. And for whatever reason, they just they just feel like it's okay for him to shoot, you know, as much as he wants and it's okay for him to, you know, make some bonehead plays and take shots that he shouldn't. And I just disagree. I think when you have two guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, he should be, if he wants to be the leader, that's fine. But on the court, he needs to be deferring to those guys. And he doesn't, Um, especially on the offensive end. And in my opinion, they won't win until, you know, he's moved. And I I know that that's unfortunate. I know Celtics fans will probably tell me I'm, 
dumb and I don't know what I'm talking about and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's my opinion. I think that, you know, Marcus Smart may not be a problem, but he's certainly not the solution. And honestly, the, you know, the, you know, those two guys might actually be better with addition by subtraction. Uh, again, not saying that Smart is a net negative because I, you know, I think early on, especially this year he was, but just in general, I don't think he is, but I just think, you know, there's, there's too many, there's, there's too many alphas and uh, especially on the court, maybe not off the court, but on the court. And uh, yeah, I just think Smart needs to go and there needs to be maybe more supporting pieces instead of a guy who thinks that he's better than what he is, especially offensively. So that's my opinion. Smart needs to be moved if they want to win. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you. Uh, see, the reason why I didn't include him is because I feel like he should have been gone yesterday. But um, now now my follow-up question for you is, uh, have you ever considered trading Tatum? Because I feel like even when it comes down to Tatum and Brown, it's like obviously you'd probably choose trading uh, Brown instead of Tatum because Brown doesn't have the offensive talent that Tatum does. But would you just straight up trade Tatum for like star for star? Would you do something like that? Nope. I have no interest in trading Jason Tatum. I have no interest in moving on from him until, you know, he is, you know, straight up proven that he can't win at this level without someone else. I, I have no interest in trading Tatum for the remainder of his contract. I, you get an elite superstar tap, which is what Celtics fans have wanted, and now you want to trade him because he's not winning at age 23. I think it's ridiculous. I think that people aren't patient enough and people don't really understand you know, where or when players win in the NBA. Um, I mm-hmm. in my in my opinion, I I think it would be silly to trade a guy like that. I think he's a future scoring champion, scoring leader. I think that Jalen Brown is a future all you know, first team all pro defensive player year in, year out. Um or all NBA season on all pro uh, you know, year in and year out. And I think that, you know, he is a an extremely still a very good offensive player. And I think that those two guys will win a championship together, whether it's one, whether it's two, I don't know. And whether it's in Boston, I don't know. You know, maybe they move, whatever it is, I don't know. But I am absolutely have no interest in trading either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. In uh, the only way I'm moving Jalen Brown, the only way I'm moving one of those guys is Jalen Brown is if Jason Tatum makes the ultimatum that if you get Bradley Beal or he's leaving. And that's it. That is the only the only way I would move either one of those guys, I have zero interest in moving them. Zero. None. Okay, I'm I'm with you there. I just feel like Tatum might be kind of like a guy like Mookie who doesn't want to be here. I don't know. You kind of hear that. Um, I guess you – I don't know if that's just, you know, people throwing spitballs out the wall or anything. But, um, you know, I hope that's not the case. I hope he stays with us. And, you know, I really think uh, people should consider, like you've been saying, that, uh, you know, NBA stars don't win – until they get to that certain age and, you know, some break through. I mean, some don't. So, you know, it's going to take a little time. And I think, uh, I think we'll be able to figure it out, especially, you know, if they get rid of smart and um, other, maybe some other pieces, because I like their bench right now. But um, my last NBA question for you was um, a Western conference question. Uh, Do you feel like the Lakers and Warriors are on a crash course for the, for the Western conference finals or, I mean, look, I, there, there's a lot of people who think the Lakers suck. Um, and, you know, I don't I don't really feel that way. I feel like they're, you know, they're just going to be the team that's methodical and doesn't necessarily need to win a whole heck of a lot of games in the regular season. And by the end of the season, 
they'll be better. They'll be better as a team. They'll probably make an, you know, an acquisition or two at the trade deadline, and we'll see what happens. I think the Warriors are really good. I'm interested to see how Clay Thompson fits in um, because I think that sometimes when you're a team that's rolling like the way that the Warriors are right now, sometimes not getting, sometimes adding a piece like Thompson actually screws everything up in the mix. So not saying that he's a bad player, that's bad. I'm just saying the way they're playing right now, adding a guy like Thompson might actually hurt things, not help, especially early on until the chemistry kind of resolves itself. Uh, I, I think that you're going to end up seeing, you know, I think you'll probably see one of Golden State and Phoenix and, and probably the Lakers. Like, you know, I don't, I don't take Utah seriously. I definitely don't take Memphis seriously. The Clippers without Kawhi no. are the same. You know, yeah. Dallas, Dallas, is a team that, Dallas is a team that, you know, maybe could if they find a way to acquire someone. Same with Denver. Just too many injuries between Porter and, uh, you know, everything else mm-hmm. that they have going on there. I think they've lost like four or five guys to, you know, Jamal Murray, obviously, a season-ending injury. Just, yeah, I, again, I really don't take a lot of these teams seriously. I don't take Utah, Memphis, the Clippers. Yeah. So I think you're looking at, you know, the Lakers, the Suns, the Warriors, and, and maybe – Dallas, if they can figure something out, but I don't trust them to kind of figure that out. So I really think there's three teams in the West, you know, and they, and, and those teams will battle it out. And, if you know, if I look stupid later on, then I look stupid, but that's kind of where I feel. I don't think you'll look stupid. I think, yeah, I think you got it right on track. So uh, let's talk a little pucks here. Let's talk some Bruins. Um, for a casual fan like me of, of hockey, are they going to be worth watching throughout this season, the Bruins, or do you think they're going to be some like type of middling type team? Because I'll still watch them, but <laughs> I I kind of think they I, I you know I kind of think they are what you see. You know, I mean they're they're going to be better because they've played so many less games than pretty much anyone in the NHL. I think they have like twenty one games played. You look at Toronto; they have like twenty seven. Uh, you know, they, you know, Anaheim is twenty seven, et cetera. So they're going to be slightly better than what people perceive them as right now. But, yeah, they're, they're not going to be great. They're a middling team. And I think that, you know, I was super critical of what the team did this offseason. Everyone told me, oh, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. They make good good decisions. And I was, again, you know, I, I'll, take the, uh, I'll take the elite second liner, or, you know, the elite first liner over the, the fourth and fifth liners that you can pay, you know, minimum dollars to later on. You can find a guy to pretty much do the same role and, People strongly disagree with me, and I think, you know, sometimes I'm wrong all the time. But I do think I was right about this one. And I do think that the Bruins are reflective of what their free agency and what their GM has done. He's been soft. He hasn't made big acquisitions. He hasn't, you know, put his balls on the line and, and you know, kind of gone out there and made the big move. And we've seen they, they're, they're a team that has not figured it out outside of, you know, outside of 2011. They haven't figured it out. Because they won't go out there and they won't make the big acquisition. Taylor Hall is a big name, but and he's a really good player, but he's not nearly the player he was three, four years ago. So I, until they go out there and they're willing to put their balls in the line for a guy like Jack Eichel or an elite type of player that you might be getting at a you know at a discount, like I don't believe this team is going to win anything. So yeah, I'm going to watch them because I'm a Bruins fan and I you know. I, I want my home team to do well, and I think Tuka Rask coming back will probably be fun for a lot of people because I think he'll come back. But if you're asking me, do I take this team seriously as a contender, my answer is absolutely not. Do you want Tuka Rask back? Uh, yes and no. Um, I think he cuts <laughs> into a lot 
again, it's 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 always complicated, right? There's there's no like direct answer with this. Um, I'd say I'd say yes. I think that you have tried, you know, the 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 Swayman Omar combo. You know, we're we're almost twenty, we're a little bit over twenty five percent of the season, and you know, it hasn't been great. It hasn't been bad, but it hasn't been great. Um, you know, so I, you're pulling the plug on those easy. guys. You're saying screw them. I want Rask back. I'm I'm saying I'm saying I'm signing him, and I'm thinking about doing a rotation. I'm thinking about you know rotating the three of them and and hoping that one or two of these guys really catches fire, because I don't think that okay. you know, as long as he's not going to eat into a large portion of your depth or your salary cap, I don't think it matters. Because I think that you know I don't know what Rask is going to be. I have no idea. I'm assuming he'll be. <sighs> Similar, I'm hopeful, but I have no idea. So yeah, I'm I'm willing to take the chance. And you haven't been, you know, elite at the goaltending position. So why not rotate and see what happens? And if one of these, you know, one or two of these guys catches fire, then you roll with them. And if Rask happens to be the odd man out, well, then Rask is gone, and you know, you cut him or he retires or whatever, and you know, you're no worse for wear. So I, yeah, I'm I'm open to uh, to at least trying it. Like. I, I don't. I don't love the guy. The the the, the you know Tuka Rask the person. Um, you know I, I I don't love what he did a couple of years ago. Uh, you know with the whole bubble thing. I you know I I know he had an issue with the family, but you know I still believe that he could have gone back and whatever. And so you know I, I I you know he's not my I'm not the biggest Tuka Rask fan, but I do think is that you know I do think that you know if he helps the team win, that's all I really care about at the end of the day. He's got some legitimate talent too. Like it's all upstairs with him. It seems to be like he's got he's got the physical talent to be a goalie. It's just you know it's just it's just always been upstairs from just looking just looking at it as like a casual fan and um, just like hearing all the the banter and the talk about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think he would benefit from from what you're saying too. Is like you know three goalie situation. You know he's got less time. You know he can spend more time with the family if he wants, but he can also grind out and get some W's. I mean that'd be a real good situation for him. I think. Um, and my last NHL question, kind of a fanboy one here, but do you think David Pasternak's going to be a legend? Like, is he going to go down like or something like that in a Bruins uniform? No, I don't think that Pasternak's ever going to be that level. I think you have a better chance of a guy like Marchand or Bergeron, hubby seeking those guys. I think Bergeron is already a legend. I think you have a much better chance. Yeah, he's of already like there. Is probably... Yeah, look, I, I think I think I, how about this? I'll reframe my answer to maybe. I don't. I still have to really <laughs> add some size and become a, maybe a little bit more of a. Um, you know, prime time player, and then you know, play better when the lights are on. Because I think that he has struggled in the playoffs so far, and that is a bit of concern, obviously. Uh, but look, I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. If there is definitely a chance that after the the Marchand and after the Bergeron era, and that's that's coming up rapidly, next two three years probably, that if Austin is still here and he's still, if he starts becoming a prime time level player. Then yes, I think it's possible. Uh, I, as of right now, if you're asking me my opinion, my answer would be no. But I'm gonna not. I'm not gonna close the door. The door is not closed. All righty, all righty. Now we're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna get you out of here on some Red Sox questions, and then uh, my six random questions, of course. But uh, just a few Sox ones. Um, obviously, the most obvious are: Are you pissed about JBJ being back? Yeah, I, I, I. 
listen, I, I didn't I didn't love the trade. I know everyone, oh, we're, we're buying prospects and everything. That's great. I don't love the prospects. I understand the upside that you got, um, you know, with, you know, with the prospects, and I understand selling high on to Renfro. I, I do. I, I'm, I'm okay with selling high on to Renfro. Um, my biggest issue with that is that, you know, you keep hearing about, all oh, the Red Sox have salary cap issues and this and that. So then you spend $12 million to, you know, to buy a couple prospects. And listen, I know Benelis is supposed to be a, a, you know, a potential elite prospect, but, you know, I, until he becomes one, I don't really, you know, I don't really care. And David Hamilton, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm certainly, you know, if he becomes anything, great. But he's 24 years old. You know, he, he played well at double A last year, but he wasn't anything special. Um, you know, if he, if he becomes, you know, even just a fourth outfielder, I think that you'll have done well there. And, you know, you're hopeful that, you know, they use Jackie Bradley as a fourth outfielder. If Bradley becomes your, your full-time starter, then I absolutely despise the trade. Uh, again, I, I understand buying prospects. I understand taking on salary to get a better prospect return. I, I understand the concept. I don't hate it. Um, but, you know, you, you want, you know, the Red Sox want to complain about salary issues and then want to buy low on a guy like JBJ and sell high on a guy like Hunter Renfro and the money isn't close to equal, and you have basically signed no one for the pitching staff. I mean, look, I, I like Rich Hill, but, you know, he's going to eat some innings for you, but you really need a, another mid-rotation star, you know, level starter. I just, I, I don't like mm-hmm. what they've done. I don't like the offseason. I don't like the Hunter Renfro trade. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to be positive on this team, and I do trust I Bloom to an extent, but right now I'm having a hard time seeing the full picture, and, you know, that JBJ trade is, you know, is a big part of it to me because I, I don't like Jackie Bradley. I never really have. I think that he's, uh, uh, you know, if you're asking me, he's a minus EV player, meaning, you know, his defensive, you know, his defensive prowess does not, you know, make up for the, the lack of offense. So. Now, this is a loaded question for a lot of Red Sox fans here. Do you like Heim Bloom's approach to the whole thing, or do you, does it make you want to friggin' drive off the road, or um, how does it make you feel? Like, because um, I feel like he's going to come into this next season, like in this off season, obviously, and and say, you know, we were just in Game Six of the friggin' AC ALCS, we'll be fine, you know, like whatever we do, we can make it back there. So, wow, what's your thoughts on his approach? Uh, I guess it depends on what it is. My my biggest issue with Bloom's approach is that he he spends decent money on some of these big time long shots. Like, look, I, I don't I don't hate Michael Walker. I didn't hate that contract, but seven million for Michael Walker on a buy low guy, you know, I I don't love that. And you know, I don't love spending eleven million dollars on Garrett Richards for as a buy low guy. I don't love that. You know, getting Rich Hill for three four million, I do love that. So. It's a little bit of a mix. It's a, you know, they didn't bring Gary uh, Richards I, back, I, did they? I'm sorry? No, they didn't bring Richards back. I was just talking about last offseason. Oh, um, my God. I was about to freaking you know. have a conniption. Yeah, <laughs> Go ahead. I understand his approach, but this is not Tampa Bay. Like, you don't need to buy low on you – don't, you, don't, you don't need to buy low on a guy – you know, in, in hopes that he can give you something and spend seven to ten million dollars on him. You're the Red Sox, like you know, spend some spend some freaking money. Go out there, sign some free agents. Like it's okay to be over the luxury tax, and that's my biggest concern. The fact that we're that the luxury tax is just, you know, everyone in the Red, all the Red Sox says, oh, we're gonna get there, oh, we're gonna get there, oh, we're gonna. I, 
okay, well, I'll believe it when I see it because I don't buy that. I really don't. Um, I'm just I'm concerned with what is uh, with what's going on there. This is not Tampa Bay North. It shouldn't be Tampa Bay North. The Red Sox and the owners should spend some money, and if they don't want to spend the money, it's time to sell the team. So, you know, I, I understand bringing in Ian Bloom, and I don't hate what he's done, but I just hate the whole my gut feeling on what is going to start becoming this team and their salary cap and their I guess sorry their their salary. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's extremely concerning. Now here's my last MLB question. Then we'll move to the six pack of random questions. Um, Here's something I don't like hearing, but would you even consider trading J.D. Martinez? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think if you're trading J.D. Martinez, you better have a suitable replacement, whether that's Kyle Schwarber or you know, so, someone of that ilk. You better, be, you better be signing someone along those lines to bring in. But I do think that the market for J.D. Martinez, you know, will obviously never be bigger. With the NL adding the GHs and everything, I think he's getting a legitimate return. So yeah, I, I think that this is the opportunity for the Red Sox to sell on JD Martinez and you know buy. Uh, go, go find another guy that. Go find another guy you like. I listen. I, I'm not a JD Martinez hater. I was wrong about him when he came to the Red Sox. I I didn't think that he would be an elite hitter or where he is. Um, I was I was you know a thousand percent incorrect on that. And he's been fantastic for this team, but kind of like the Belichick approach, you should know when to get. You got to get out in front of it and kind of know when. All right, to all right. <laughs> go I, ahead, I go I'd ahead. Take, I think I'd take the. I think I take the Belichick approach with Martinez. All right, all right. I'm gonna take your advice there. See, I'm I'm against it. I'm a big JD guy, but uh, now we get to the fun. Now we get to the six-pack of random questions. Tim McBone's favorite segment. Shout out, McBone. Um, as you may know, here's question number one. Um, as you may know, uh, Strahan's going to space, Michael Strahan. Um, three things under three pounds you would take to space. All right, first off, I did not know that Strahan was going to space. It shows you how clearly I'm paying attention to things these days. Uh, three things under three pounds I would take to space. Uh, all right. Tough one. All right. I, I'm I'm trying I'm trying I'm trying to think about this. I'm trying to think three things three things under three pounds. Um, man, I I I was gonna say a weight, but I don't because I need to lose weight. Uh, so that you know that would have been no, no. I'm saying um, you know, like, would you take you know, do you have like any mementos? Any 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 like, uh, would you take you know um any pictures or anything, you know, like uh, small things, you know, like things things that you yeah, would take yeah. to space that are small. Okay, yeah, picture of the family. I think that's that's always an easy classic one. Uh, obviously, that would be that would be pretty important to me, to be honest with you. Uh, I think oh, I'd yeah. probably bring, yeah, I mean, I think, that, I, think that's a, I think that's a relatively easy one. Uh, you know, I think I'd, <laughs> I'd probably bring, um, you know, I, 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 yeah, I, I have a signed baseball by the uh, the '04 Red Sox that's kind of near and dear to my heart because that was, the you know the Patriots in 2001, but the Red Sox were really like first like real like non non football championships. So I always kind of remember that. So I, I'd probably take that. Oh yeah, that's, that's kind of I think it's kind of ridiculous, but you know I get it. Um, 
And then honestly, like I'd, I'd probably find something to entertain myself, like you know, some sort of game or or something um, that kind of entertain myself. So I mean, I I know it's not the greatest answer. That's probably what I'm going with. Hey, it works. It works for us, man. Um, all right. Question number two. Here's one that a lot of people may want to know about. Do you like Christmas or are you a Scrooge? So listen, I'm 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 Jewish. <laughs> um, so I've not, you know, I wasn't like a big Christmas guy earlier. Uh, my wife is not, so I celebrate Christmas now. I, listen, I, I, I like Christmas time. I like the holidays. I'm definitely not a Scrooge, but I'm also not like super, super into it. I'm kind of in between, like, because I, I, cause I You're did. You're not go like go out and get I, that friggin' tree, you know, the next day after Thanksgiving, you know, that <laughs> type of guy. <laughs> no, no, I'm not because I, cause I, I didn't grow up with it. So, like, I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. I, I enjoy it. Okay, okay. Like, you know, I try and, like, you know, I try and make sure I work at the, you know, at the station because a lot of, you know, because I'm Jewish again. Like, a lot of those guys aren't and whatever. And, you know, so, yeah, you know, I, I try, I try and, like, you know, help out. I'm not, you know, I do, I do like, and I do like spending Christmas with my family and my wife's family and everything. But it's, you know, to me, it's, it's not, it's not the same. Um, Thanksgiving is, is the big one for my family because, again, Jewish. So, you know. <laughs> I think Thanksgiving's a better holiday anyway, so um we'll move on to question number three there. Uh here's here's a question for you. Here's a good one, I think. Uh the better smell, you get your two choices of these. Fresh baked chocolate chip cookies or the smell when you open a big bag of Chinese food. Oh um better smell I think those are the two best smells in the world. And that that is that is the fat that is the fat ass and Dan. I absolutely a thousand percent chocolate chip cookies. Listen, I love Chinese food. I love it a lot. I love it a lot. You know, I go. I I love the Kowloon. I love the stuff around here. I love Chinese food, but there's nothing better than an oven baked chocolate chip cookie right out of the <laughs> oven and a little bit of milk. There, I mean, that there is there is almost nothing better on the entire in the entire world in the entire you know universe. So yeah, I think you gotta go chop the chip cookie, and I think if you don't, I think that, uh, you know, I think you're crazy. I think you're crazy. Alrighty, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on to question number four. Uh, what about your dream vacation? See, for me right now, it would, you know, it's not the greatest place, but it's definitely a nice place. It would be uh, the the Sea Islands in South Carolina. What about you? If you if you could go somewhere right now, where would you take off to? Grown enough yeah, being a factor. Say, say, say you're, say you're not away. You're away from people like that. You know, you're on your own. <laughs> Corona not being a factor. Uh, listen, I, I really, really want to go to the Maldives. I haven't been to the Maldives. I really, really want to go. It's a long trip, and I just, I hate, I hate go. I hate getting there. Like the, the actual travel for me is stressful. I hate traveling like really, really long distances. But I've been to a lot of places. I've been all, you know, all over the Caribbean and everything. I would love to go to the Maldives. I am one million percent a get a drink, chill on the beach, go in the water, sit in the chair, sit in the sun type guy. Like that is that is me on vacation. I don't want to go off and do a billion things every day. I want to chill. And so one million percent the Maldives is a perfect place to do that. So yeah, I, that would be my my place right now. I will tell you, my number one place, my favorite place I've ever been by far is the uh, 
uh, excuse me, is Bermuda by far. I, I absolutely love Bermuda. Um, it's my favorite place in the world that I've been so far, um, and I absolutely love it. But the Maldives where I would want to go. All right, nice, nice. I like that. Yeah, that sounds like a beautiful place too. Uh, yeah, just uh, you know, I watched some cooking shows on the weekend, and uh, there's this lady that does one of them down in the South Carolina islands and uh, those sea islands down there, and it looks freaking beautiful. So. Definitely want to check that out. I've obviously um, secretly liked Chicago as well. Um, so that that's just where I would go if I had some uh, vacation ideas at this moment. But, um, I mean, I, I guess uh, my last two questions were kind of Christmas-related. We'll ask you this one. Um, do you consider Die Hard a Christmas movie? Um, okay, so... I. Yeah, because I am a dead set no against this. I am a dead set no. Like it is not a Christmas movie. Go ahead. So, so I, I, I think it's a yes, but I'm also I'm also open to the to the argument of no's. Okay, like look, I think it's a Christmas movie because it takes place on Christmas and and simply because there's a Christmas a Christmas theme around it. But I also understand why people say you know it's not a Christmas movie. You can watch it anytime because I also have, oh I will own up to the fact that I've watched Die Hard in, like, April before. So, you know, that yeah. kind of puts a damper on <laughs> my argument. They're asking me, like, in, in, during, during the holidays, you name a list of movies that you want to watch. Simply, this is why I think it's a Christmas movie. Name a list of, name a list of movies you want to watch. Die Hard is on my list because it's a Christmas movie. So, yes, that's why I think, that's why I think it's a Christmas movie. So, you know, I, I, but I also understand the argument for why it's not. Because I, I will, now I definitely have, you know, watch Die Hard in a non-Christmas or non-holiday period of time. But yeah, like Die Hard, I'm probably gonna watch Die Hard in two weeks with the uh, with the fam. And yeah, that that that's something that that's something that I do because it's in my opinion a holiday-ish movie. Alrighty, all right. That was the question number five. We kind of adapted on the fly. We'll get you out of here on question number six. I'm gonna adapt here too. But uh, we're gonna ask you, um, you know, what are you when it comes to the holidays? Are you you know, I'm sure you're going to be honest, but, uh, you know, are you more of a giver or a, you know, getter? Do you, do you like receiving gifts more or, or uh, giving them? Listen, I, I don't get gifts. <laughs> I don't get gifts like, you know, that's way past, you know, way past. My wife or, you know, my family gave me a gift or two, but I don't do that. I'm, I'm much more of a giver, man. I'm much more of a giver. I believe in, like, you know, trying to help, like, you know, little kids who like you know aren't lucky and don't you know aren't able to do that and you know i'm you know i believe in like no good causes around this time of year and yeah it's a little sappy and, and whatever i cliche i get it but you know yeah listen that's, that's, <laughs> i honestly believe that here's the other thing dude you know when they here's the other thing they never tell you when you're a kid like when you're an adult you grow up you get all the crap you want and then after that like there's really nothing else to get like you can upgrade the crap that you have, but there's really nothing new. Like, you, there's nothing new that I want. Like, you know, I yeah yeah. Today, like, oh, is there? Any, I don't really want anything. Like, I have all the crap I want. Can I get better versions of it, like a car or whatever? Sure, but like, exactly. Yeah, there's really not much else to want. So, like, all the fun stuff, like new Game Boys or you know, Playstations or whatever. Like, I have the PS5. I have TVs. Like. There's nothing fun anymore. So yeah, you know that 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 whole <laughs> that whole thing is over. It's over. So you know, yeah, it's, it's, so yeah, I'm 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 a, I'm a giver because I it's not that much I want, man. It's just isn't. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, all right, we'll get you out of here on that, man. Um, that's been Dan Lifshaw. It's been great talking to you, man. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of your night, and I'm going to go post this as soon as it's available, man. All right, thanks, Josh. Have a happy holidays, bud. I'll talk to you soon. All right, happy holidays, my man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.